Brewers Daily with Jason Martinez. And welcome to your Monday, June 29th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. A lot to get to in this episode. We're going to talk with former Flyer defenseman Chris Terrian coming up in just a couple of moments. Wrote a great piece about the NHL Hall of Fame. Going to talk to Bundy about that and a bunch of other subjects, including returning to play, the NHL lottery, and much more. Of course, we had the NHL lottery on Friday evening and What a scenario played out. The number one overall pick belongs to, we don't know yet. It's a placeholder. One of the uh, eight teams that gets knocked out in the best of five return play-in situation with the uh, playoffs. One of the losers will be a lucky loser because they each have a 12.5% chance to land the number one overall pick. And one of those teams will, in fact, land the right to draft Alex Lafreniere, who is the consensus number one overall pick. And we'll see how that plays out. Uh, It's interesting because... Some teams may prefer to draft Alex Lafreniere, at least from a management standpoint. What I will say, and we'll talk to Bundy about this, is I doubt any player wants to tank for a 12.5% chance to lose their job. Players don't worry about draft picks. They don't, they're not there to make sure the team drafts high. That means it's a player coming into their roster. Yeah, it can help a team. Can also take a job, so players just don't think that way. So uh, we'll talk to Bundy about that and much more as the countdown continues uh, to training camp, which is coming up on July 10th. Not that far off now. We are well inside two weeks until the teams will report for mandatory training camp. A couple more flyers reporting for optional skates in the last couple of days. So uh, we'll keep an eye on what's going on there. Just 10 days from now is when uh, the official training camps will begin. And uh, we'll see if everything goes off without a hitch and the return to play happens on time and on schedule. See the NBA uh, scheduled their uh, eight games of the remainder of the regular season at the starting at the beginning of August. We'll see if the NHL has a very similar timeline. We have yet to hear that. We should hear about Hub Cities this week. But then again, I said that last week. Not something that I'm overly concerned about because, uh, again, in the Hub Cities, no fans can be there. The players uh, perhaps are kind of wondering where they're going. Looks like Vegas will be one. And we'll see if Toronto or uh, Edmonton north of the border will be the other one. But joining us right now here on Flyers Daily, brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer, it's a lager. It's time to spread your wings. Yingling Traditional Lager. Give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. Chris Tarion joins us right now. Bundy, what's going on? Thanks for having me on. It's always great, as always. Uh, We are like, you know, I feel like we're, I feel like ready to go, to be honest with you. I mean, it's like we just had our break. Right, we were March, so now we're three months. So it's like we went to the Stanley Cup Finals, and now a training camp's ready to start again. Yeah, That's yeah. essentially right where we're at. And when you yeah. boil it down in a nutshell, so 110 um, days. You, know, you believe that? That that's an off season in hockey. Is just you're you're exactly right, my friend. That's exactly what it is. So if you, um, it's it's unbelievable. And then you think about the teams that may not play at all. I mean, that that could be almost you're looking at almost nine, ten full months before they even see any action again. Yeah, let me ask you about so, that. It's, it's strange times, man. Really strange times. Yeah, if you're a, a member of, and you're not, but a member of the Ottawa Senators or the New Jersey Devils, these teams that didn't even, the seven teams that didn't even make the return to play, and the league doesn't start until mid-December, Bundy, that amount of time yeah. off, that's a long time for a professional athlete. And you sat through an entire that's year not- off with the, with the lockout. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's really funny when you, when you, uh, uh, when you talk, when you think you think about how long it is, you know that that's a lot of time. And these are the kind of sports too. You know, you get into it like a baseball, a guy at bat, hockey. 
you know, that puck is so small and you have to stay on your skill all the time, you know, with, with sports like that, you know, anything that involves a small object where your hand eye is so important, you know, it's a, that becomes a muscle, a, a trained muscle movement with your eyes, your hands and how that works together. So yeah, that, that's something that I just actually thought of it. You know, I'm just thinking, man, all these teams are getting ready to play now and guys are skating, but you know, for sure teams like the, you know, Detroit and LA, I mean, they're not getting ready for anything except the next round of golf. So yeah. that's where they're at. And, that, and, and, and if, you know, if the, indeed the NHL's plan goes uh, along as they, they're, you know, the plan is supposed to go, well, then you're right. We won't, we may not see them till next Christmas. Any of those guys. Yeah. For you, when you would get back on in a normal season, say you went a round or two of the playoffs, right. And your season ended end of April, mid, mid May. When would you get back on the yep. ice in advance of training camp? August, August, everybody like August did. We one? never skated. I don't know. Uh, I would say August 15th, August 20th. You know, I always thought we were training. Now, don't forget we were training, right? We're at the, we're at the skate zone. We're in there, but there's just no ice. There, they, you know, most guys are not skating all summer long. They are now. I know some guys do. They have, a, they have skating coaches now, but when I played and even up until that last year, um, we, we started skating in August. And it didn't matter if you're done in April. If you, I never missed the playoffs as a player. I'd always gotten at least a round in. Um, so your summers were sometimes decided by, you know, how far, obviously how far you went, how banged up your body was at the end of the season, and what you felt was best for it to try to get it healthy again and ready to go in the fall. The one thing I will lend, and I, I uh, just with this, Chase, this summer, is the fact that body clock issue to me would be the one thing – that would make this summer very frustrating. I would think your body is just absolutely not primed at all to go uh, to training camp July 10th. And then in the mindset to play your playoffs in August and September, it's, it's really, really strange the thinking of it, but then to be able to get through the mental hurdle of that as well. And when you walk out of the rink, it's going to be 95 degrees in the middle yeah. of the summer. You know, you know, I've actually, you know, talked to some people that have mentioned that some players uh, around the league have mentioned that, that, some players aren't too thrilled about playing hockey in July and August and, and September and then, you know, quick redux and, and get into another season, Bunny, because it's not just what they're doing in the NHL. It's what they've done their entire life. There's a circadian rhythm to your body, right, that every summer is when you not only, you know, repair yourself physically, but you also repair yourself emotionally and mentally. Yeah, there's, there, you're absolutely right, and that's a great word, circadian. There's also another thing called circadian financials, and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. which is even which is even more important to the NHL teams than some poor guy worrying about what his body clock thinks. I mean, that's kind of like just too bad. But I'm just saying to you, it, it it'll be a factor for sure. It's just not our hockey players were not used uh, to or accustomed to being. Um, you know, in that kind of environment in, in that, that time of the year. So it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of, a lot of weird things with it, but you know, again, it's different. And I, this, I mean, what hasn't been different in 2020, right? I yeah. mean, it's been. Just yeah. I could put this year in a suitcase and, and ship, it to, ship it to the yeah. North pole. <laughs> yeah. Um, just ship let, it off. my friend. Yep. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. But uh, who knows what the second half of this year has in store for us, the country or anything. Right. But, uh, hey, buddy, yeah. let me ask you this, because uh, as a guy that played in the league for so long, and you just mentioned that you've been in the playoffs so many times, and, you know, coming back and, and, and trying to chase a cup in this very unique situation, 
where's the advantage lie here? And young players or older players? Older players know their body. I They've been there, done that, know what it takes to win in the playoffs. But younger players, are some, sometimes ignorance is bliss. I'm not sure. I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think I've said this before when the scenarios were presented, presented maybe six weeks ago or eight weeks ago. I'd said it somewhere that the young legs, the young guys are going to be the ones that are going to have to really help pick up the older guys. I know that I, if I were playing, if I were one of these guys and I would say 33, 35, I think I was done around 34 or 35, but if I was at the tail end of my career, um, I, I really th- think that it would be, uh, it would be, I would really be relying on young guys to provide energy in a fanless building. Yeah. Um, they're going to be key, key components uh, to bring, uh, to keep it light. You know, the veterans are going to be, you know, obviously when, when it comes down to your special teams and that stuff, uh, they're going to be your key cogs. But in terms of providing that energy, the spark on the ice when, you know, I've been in games where there's been nobody in buildings before, not the NHL level, but even college sometimes where you have a lesser crowd somewhere, you, you can do it. You can feed off the energy on the bench. It'll be very difficult with nobody in there. But I really feel that's where the, that's the key for me is where the youth is going to have to step up big if, yeah. if, if they get going. For yeah. Sure. Um, you know, you've played for the cup before. You've gone through those battles um, when, when is the adjustment, this is an impossible question to answer, but when do you feel like the adjustment would be like, okay, we're not, the, the weirdness of no crowd is now gone. Is it a game? Is it a couple games? Is it a period? Is it a series? And you know, you're just battling for the cup. I would personally, I'm sure they'll be talking about it in groups about what that will be like. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I don't, you know what, Jace, I would, I will say this, just thinking about it right now. It's a good question. I think it'll take more than a game. I do. I really do because you're going to have varied emotions, I would think, right, of what's going through your head. There's no one to look down on you. So, I mean, a mistake is not – I mean, it'll be emphasized on TV and, and, you know, it'll be all the games will be televised. But at the same time, you know, there's times where the crowd plays to a factor, but a lot of times I think a lot of guys tune it out. However, that being said, there's still noise. There's still energy in the building. I mean, the Wells Fargo Center – was the Flyers probably greatest ally this year? I mean, it was incredible to have that uh, that type of that type of home uh, ice advantage through the year, and they played so well at home. That's one thing with home ice. I think we talked about this before with a fa- uh, with with the crowds. You can't recreate one year to the next with home ice. It's not like if you went you know thirty two and eight at home one year that you're going to be guaranteed to do that again. You have special years where you have special home seasons. So I think that'll be odd for a lot of teams, but I think when you evaluate where they're at, I do think it's going to take more than one, one or two games just to get accustomed to the mindset mentally and physically that there are no, there's nobody in the building and the noise is not a factor at all. Yeah. It, 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 at Schneider Arena at Providence, you guys didn't have a full barn? Well, when I showed up, they did. But <laughs> after that, it was uh... – <laughs> uh... How did you end up not ending up a devil, by the way, with Lou up there? <laughs> so, you know, it's actually funny. I asked Lou that myself. I actually did because I was his son's roommate for three years, and I went up to him and he said, he goes, you know, you're coming out of high school. He goes, the Flyers scooped you up, and he goes, we were taking you six picks after they got you at the same play. They ended up taking Mike Dunham instead at the University of Maine goalie. Yeah. Uh, and he became Brodeur's backup for a few years after Chris Terreri had called it quits. So that was the story. He said we were taking it. He goes, we really liked you at that spot. And he goes, we were hoping you'd hang around, but Flyers got a good way. I mean, it's, it's the way it goes, you know. So 
But Zion Arena, I, I was only kidding about what I said about myself, obviously. But now we got some good crowds. But, you know, there are nights where, you know, the, the, if there's nobody on campus, uh, you had, a, you know, maybe a little bit more of a low-key type of game uh, where you wouldn't have the 3,500 people in there uh, barreling off the walls at Schneider Arena in Providence on a Friday or Saturday night. But, you know, you can find that energy. And uh, I, I really do think that vocally the game will be a lot easier for, for some guys to communicate. If that's yeah. one thing that will be a big factor is the communication on the ice. Yeah. Um, was that the, it was Dunham on that main team that won the national championship with Korea and the Ferraro twins. Yeah. And, and, well, I'll give you a little, well, I mean, you know, I told you Mike Dunham's uh, goaltending tandem partner was right. Yeah. Who's that? Who was it? It was Gar Snow. Oh, that's right. Yes. Gar, yes. So actually what Sean Wall, and what's interesting when you talk about the two goalie system, we really, we really went off the, the rails here, but they were the, the goalie tandem. And, and and Sean Walsh played them no matter what every other game. Wow. And uh, at May. Didn't matter. Playoffs or not. Now, the last game, Snow was the goalie in the national championship game. Okay. Uh, but I, and I think he might have been in the semis as well. I mean, Snow, he always did when it, you know, it was the only time he had to make that call. But it turns out they, they, they just switched every other game for the time that their tenure there. Wow. That was one of the great uh, collegiate teams of all time, by the way. Um, and yeah, Korea that year was ridiculous. Speaking of Korea, I got to get into this piece you wrote. And we're kind of like a winding road here. We're going to end up in all places. But um, I saw the piece you wrote on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. By the way, your writing is is very underrated. You're doing a good job. First of all, it's Terry yeah, and Yeah, I mean, I just – it's very insane. Yeah, I mean, it's good. You know, I, I think that we've covered a lot of topics this year. Uh, you know, Bill Meltzer and me discuss it uh, during the week about what to do. I put the piece together, and Bill is so good. I and mean, we know that. I'm not saying he'll go through it and he'll say, you know, here's a little stuff that I had. So I always say, Bill, please chime in and give yourself credit for it. And sometimes he does. We do shared pieces sometimes on it. But I've had a lot of fun. Um, I've, I've carried uh, – yeah, they've been almost every Friday since last September. Uh, we've had a couple hiatus Fridays, but I've enjoyed doing it. And uh, it, what's really neat about writing um, is that, and that just, I guess that checks another box for what I've done with the Flyers. I don't know if there isn't a job I haven't done uh, except for management, but uh, uh, I've enjoyed doing it. And it's really allowed me to take my own personal trip down memory lane a lot, uh, you know, with some of the topics of my own playing days and, and uh, a little bit of the changes from, from then till now. So I've, I've enjoyed it. And I know where you're going with this. So go ahead, Jason. Yeah, you know, and reading your piece, and, and I talked about it a little bit on, on an episode last week, you and I are in total lockstep here uh, in regards to the Hall of Fame. Because there's, there's a couple things that I don't understand. I, I voiced these concerns before. Like, I agree with you about Marion Hosa. He's a Hall of Famer. A first ballot Hall of Famer, though, yeah. that's a special, special honor. And as great of a player as he was, I didn't feel like he's a first ballot guy, right? Um, so that's number one. And then you, you bring it up, and, and I talked about it last week. You know, Doug Wilson getting in, he was a really good player. And does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Well, that's for some, everybody else to decide. And maybe he did. But, but why did it take 20-some years of eligibility to finally get there? Same with Kevin Lowe. Now, I get Kevin Lowe a little bit because he's the eighth member of that Oilers 87 group that won five cups in seven years uh, to get in. So you had to let, get the other guys in before him, and you don't want to put a whole team in together. Uh, and then a year prior, Guy Carboneau gets in, 21-plus years of eligibility. And, look, he's a guy that did a lot of the little things, one of the great shot blockers of all time. It's not all about points. And I'm glad the Hall of Fame recognizes contributions to the game that just aren't on a stat line. But I'm a little uh, miffed, maybe the, the right word, 
as to why this keeps happening. And I see guys like Jeremy Roenick, Alexander McGillney, and they're not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, we can keep the list can, <clears throat> list can keep going, Jace. Yeah. Uh, and again, there's people in that Hall of Fame committee that I have the utmost tremendous re- respect for. Bob Clark is on that committee. Uh, I've never asked Clarkie what goes on in there. I, mean, I feel I'd be stepping out of line by saying so, but it, I think some people do want to know. Um, Bob Clark, to me, is as good a judge of, of a hockey player and a character uh, as anybody. This is a guy that's won three Hart trophies, two Stanley Cups, uh, a legendary leader uh, in any sport. But again, I, you know, I look back and it's not, not, nothing against Bob Clark. It's against the committee and how it's done, why it's done, which way. And yeah, there's, there are far more questions than answers. So let's talk about a few of them that I, I really have a, some gripes with because it doesn't make sense. And you mentioned the ones right away. Kevin Lowe, yeah, I, again, there would be a lot of people in a sport. Like, who is Kevin Lowe comparable to in, in baseball? Um, I, I don't know. Is it? Is it? A, I got to look at a dynasty in baseball. Uh, you know, he's a secondary tier player, but he was a minute gobbler. He played with Paul Coffey, uh, and he won all those Stanley Cups, right? So I'm okay yeah. with that. Well, but why? Anyone in New York as well too? But why 24, 23 years later? Yeah, that's whatever what, it was for Kevin. That's Long, what I don't get. Yeah, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson played on a hideous Chicago team in the eighties. They got they had one good year where they ended up losing the Mario in the finals, where he was on that team. Yep. Uh, very very good defenseman Doug Wilson, right? But again, if I'm Doug Wilson, I'm honored I'm in the Hall of Fame. But I'm thinking to myself, well, oh, geez, it's, is it like why'd they put us in this year? Why wasn't I in ten years ago? So those are again the questions. You know, if they're saying if I'm a Hall of Fame now, why wasn't I one several years ago? Um, yeah, what changed? He hasn't played a game. Most- he has no new accomplishments, <laughs> right? Right, and, Mar- and Marion Hosa like was was a, a key cog of those two pieces. Now, if you say Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves, they're two first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, right. They were to me, they are. They were the two key pieces with Duncan Keith uh, that allowed that team to thrive through many many years. Um, so that's a no, no problem. Marion Hosa moved around a lot in his career. It took him a while to win, and he finally did when he ended up. When Murray ended up losing two cups before. He got the three with Chicago. Yeah, with Ottawa. So he's been the, yeah. yeah. And then Pittsburgh. Yep. Uh, Pitt, was he Detroit or Detroit, I think. He was lost at he was he with Pittsburgh? I can't remember. He got uh, anyway, long story short, I think he had five or six Stanley Cups. He's got three of them now. But to me, he was a secondary type of guy. And when I look at my days of playing Marion Hosa, and I did play for against him for a few years, I I never I never worried about it wasn't the top line guy I thought of at the time. He was younger then too. But, you know, when I look at a guy like Steve Eisenman, I say, well, that's first ballot Hall of Famer, and rightly so. He was a guy that could terrify defensemen. So I understand the point you're making, but the, so, but the two that really frustrate me from those standpoints, Jeremy Roenick, you said it, that's ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. This guy played all the games. He had five points in a game seven at the end of his career. His numbers are ridiculous, well over 1,000 points, 500 goals. Uh, he got to a Stanley Cup final. Um, did he get to, I, with, with the Hawks? He was the best player on that Chicago Blackhawks team, the heart and soul. Then we when it, uh, went on to Arizona. He was a character and really uh, played well. Again, I'm not going to describe his whole career. but And you know what else, Jason, to be honest with you, that, that most teams in the league or people in general don't like as they say, well, people don't have enough character. We don't see enough of the animation of, of hockey players. Yeah. 
That's all JR did. He had yeah. character. He had flair for the dramatic. And he was a heck of a hockey player, an all-star caliber hockey player, Lord knows how many times. He should have been in the Hall of Fame right after his career was over, like the first ballot. If you're going to put Hosa in there, see, to me, you can't define a guy's career by how, how many Stanley Cups he has. That's a Mark Howe is another one. Why did he wait so long? That's an unbelievable hockey player that waited far too long to go into the Hall of Fame. The yep. other guy that I'll, I'll finish with because I can go on is Brian Propp. All right, Brian Propp's numbers are insane. Absolutely insane individual numbers. He's been to five Stanley Cup finals. If Brian Propp has one of those Stanley Cups in the bank, he's in the Hall of Fame in 1995. Yeah. We're not even talking about it right now. Yeah, uh, you're right. So, I mean, he again, was a you know, Selkie I, finalist I, many times too, Bundy, as a winger. With, with ridiculous numbers. And you know what else, too? Listen, I mean, if you're going to go back to guys' juniors' days for when, you know, uh, who these people were, which there's been some guys that, oh, you know, the kid was a prodigy and we're going to look at that, too. So that's fine. Well, Brian Propp was on the all-centennial team for the CHL in Canada. You know who the other players were on that list? Yeah, it was, it was Bobby Orr, Paul Coffey, Mario Gretzky, and Brian Propp. Wow. And the goalie was Bernie. Whew, what a team. <laughs> I mean, he's got over 1,000 NHL points, Bundy, in 1,016 yeah. games. He's almost a point-per-game player yes. in a 15-year career. Stunning. Yes. He's got the games. And I, like, I don't know. Is he, what's he being punished for? Because he didn't win one? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, And you get to the cup on. final that's, five that's times. I mean, come on. Um, yeah, I mean, 790 games is a flyer and 849 points. It's it, the number I've brought him up before. Somebody needs to um, take his case on, like they need to take on Tim Kerr's as well, because Kerr had and look, his career was cut short with injuries. He only ended up playing 655 games, but a Can Neely's in. He needs to be in. But he went four years in a row: 54, 54, 58, 58 goals in those four years in a row, and then came back in, two years later in '89. And had had 48 that year. I mean, this guy was a power forward and just scored incredible uh, uh, buckets of goals. I, I know that the errors yeah, are different, okay. but still. Let's go. Okay, so let's go back just one more. I'll give you one more as an example. My old teammate and roommate on the road, John LeClaire. Yeah. The NHL was not 100 when John LeClaire retired, right? Yet, on a five-year span in the National Hockey League, Nobody had more game or uh, more goals over a five-year span than John LeClaire. And the league wasn't 100 years old, old yet. Yeah, it was if like, I'm on the committee, I'll take it a seriously hard look at that. That has to be looked at. Yeah, he had – I mean, it's, uh, it's, if the league was 90 at the time, he had five years where not one single player had, had more goals than John LeClaire. Yeah, 51, 50, So, and again, yeah, you're, you're 40, the case yeah. you're making with – with Tim Kerr's the same thing, Jace. Same thing yeah. you're making. Like, I don't know Timmy's numbers like I did Johnny. Different era, but come on. You know, yeah. now you're getting – you're throwing guys in now that's been on the, on the ballot for 20 years. Yeah, it, it doesn't make so, much sense to anyway, me either. I'm glad I got that off my chest, though. <laughs> <laughs> Can't carry that around. It's interesting. It's, it's crazy, right? It does. It leaves you with more – You know what's amazing? Um, Go ahead. Hosa played in that 08 final for Pittsburgh that lost to Detroit. Then he played for Detroit in the 09 final lost that lost year. to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. And then he played in yes, 2010 that, and won that, it with Chicago. <laughs> that, that was the one. That was it. I knew it was something quirky. Like, it's like you tried to go to the other team to get the cup. He kept hurt because he was getting criticized, right, at first for saying, oh, he's, he's jumping ship to try to go get the cup because he's taking one-year deals. 
yeah. and that's fine. Like I, no problem. Um, but that's where he, he ended up going off to, uh, to Detroit the next year where Pittsburgh won. <laughs> it's like, what do you do? Right. What yeah. do you do? Then Can't you go win. to Chicago and you win three in five years. But anyway. Yeah. And, um, he's a, and he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. So, yeah, listen, congratulations to Marion Hosa and everybody. Everybody in the Hall of Fame, congratulations. It's, it's a great honor. I'm not taking a shot at any player. They're all deserved. Even if they're on the ballot, you deserve to be uh, considered. So congrats to them. I'm just, it's just a little bit confusing and a little bit frustrating to see some of the guys not going in that I think should have been in already. And then you got guys that I had forgotten even played or their names, and then they're getting in going, oh, wow, yeah, I remember them. I mean, so kind of crazy, um, kind of crazy. Uh, to pivot off that on the winding road that we're taking here today, um, Oscar Lindblom yeah. showed up at the optional skate the other day, got on the ice, worked out for about 35, 40 minutes, uh, saw a little bit yeah. of video, um, looked good, uh, still going through his treatments for Ewing sarcoma, Bundy. Um, but how much can that lift this team? Um, you went through tragedy in your career as a member of the Flyers and lost a player. Um, what can that do? Uh, not that Lindblom is going to pass away. I mean, his recovery, and it's been inspirational. Yeah, no. Can, can a team that yeah. galvanize a group? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And, and, and certainly, I mean, listen, you got a guy coming back. And what a big message that was. What oh, a big message that yeah. was. I saw that, man. I'm like, all it said, like I saw the tweet, and I'm like, wow, that is just awesome. Like, you know, because it, it's, it's – you're dealing with a guy, right, that, like, you know, it, it affects your bones, right, the, the disease. You're going through chemo, which from anyone what we know has had cancer, is just the worst. There's just no – there's never any feeling good uh, in, inside. And, uh, and when you see a guy out there with that smile – I mean, this guy does own the smile, right? Like, even yeah. AV said that all year. He's just got this smile that just makes you say, wow, like, you just – you want to stand up and cheer. So I, I look at him and uh, I, I saw that and I'm like, wow, like that's powerful, man. Here's a guy out there skating. He knows what he's got. He's fighting. He knows he's got a lot of people behind him. I was really proud of him, you know, really proud. And as a player on that team right now, I'd sure be inspired by it as well, knowing that I got a chance to, you know, hopefully lift this, uh, lift the trophy come uh, uh, another month or so. We hope we get there. So, uh, but really, really cool, inspiring. I can't say it's, and you know what? I think when I saw that, I think it was exactly what the world needed to see that day. Oh, so uh, right. It really was. Yeah. And it's been a, it was great stuff. Yeah. And, and then I know the players that are there were thrilled to see him and uh, great to hear from him. And we featured his audio last week on an episode and uh, we'll have some audio coming up with Phil Myers who got in this week, uh, Nate Thompson as well. And uh, it's great to see a lot of these players returning uh, and Robert Haig as well, coming back from Sweden. Uh, Bundy, l let me ask you about this, because the NHL draft lottery took place on Friday night. And, you know, the league had to do something a little bit different. And uh, they eventually decided not to hold the draft before the return to play. And, and they're going to hold it after. But they held phase one of the draft lottery on Friday night. But uh, there, it necessitates a phase two now, because the number one overall pick, a 2.5% chance, is going to be made by one of the teams that does not advance in the best of five play-in round. One of those eight teams, they will each have a 12.5% chance to score the number one overall pick. Well, I, I hated it when it happened, um, and a, a lot of people are, are kind of criticizing it. The one thing it's done is it's created some conversation. So Gary Bettman has struck in the sense that he's gotten a lot of conversation and some content for the hockey world that hasn't played a game in 110 days. I, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, anytime you start getting in it, like throwing like percentages around, that's where I just kind of like turn to the side and, and I, I look after and say, who, 
who got the first pick and yeah. let me know when it's made because that's just not my thing to draft and then the younger guys. But uh, that being said, um, I got I got a little <laughs> – it's, it's a little odd, right, because you're taking teams that were really, really bad. The Los Angeles got the second pick. Um, Detroit ended I up I, four. I don't even <laughs> – Detroit got the fourth pick, right? I don't even know who got third. I did see Detroit Ottawa. got four, but anyway. Ottawa got three Ottawa, and five. Ottawa got – Yeah. Yeah, so um, – Right, so you're going to have a team that was kind of like, you know, Europe. so the example is Montreal or Pittsburgh will have an opportunity Yep. at that pick. Yep. Uh, it's a really good thing Sidney Crosby's not 27 years old or 26 Yeah. to be able to get a number one – a chance at a number one talent, but – I don't know, Jace. It, to me, it seems a little bit – I don't know how they came up with that, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't even want to know. I'm not sure I want to know. But whatever it is, it, it's – it's. Well, it's not unprecedented, though, because you know, we saw the Flyers move up 11-2 to two and the Devils move up. And a team seems to move up every year, but under these weird circumstances, it happens to be what is they're describing as a placeholder with the number one overall pick. Um, but here's the right, thing, buddy. Right. Uh, and you kind of alluded to it. As a player – and people and the conspiracy theories are out there. Oh, the NHL is fixing it because they want Pittsburgh to get a number one overall pick, like when Mario uh, and they ended up getting Crosby in the 04 draft, right? Uh, and they're saying, you know, Pittsburgh is going right. to lose to Montreal in the first round, and then they're going to get the number one overall pick, and they'll have a twelve percent, a twelve and a half percent chance. But players in the league don't aren't in the business of not performing at their peak, so the team can get a number one overall pick, and eventually one of those players lose their job rather oh. quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that is, that is a factor. And, you know, listen, there's another side to that too, right? Like, and again, you could, you could form a conspiracy theory for anything when decisions like this are made. We're in uncertain kind of really strange times. Uh, no, no doubt. But I think the other side of that is too, is well, they're maybe they're saying, well, if we do it this way, Montreal loses to Pittsburgh. Oh, they got a chance at, by the way, the number one ranked player, a French Canadian this year. Yeah. So, there's different ways of looking at it, right? And I don't know if anybody thought that far ahead, but now you start, uh, you know, that there's also that side of the coin. Yeah, there's also everybody... a chance that Toronto could get that pick. Yeah, and you know, Toronto's so... got to deal with Columbus in the first round. You know, and then they get Lafreniere, and they have Matthews and Marner and, and another forward, and they still got no D. <laughs> they still don't have any D, but maybe they'll try to make that first pick a D. Yeah. They could try well, Lafreniere played for uh, Ramuski too, and that's where Crosby played in, in the Quebec Major Junior League. So yeah. there's that tie-in. Well, the really interesting part is this, though. Let me run this by you. Because there is a situation that I'm aware of where one team can win the cup and have the number one overall pick. And that happens to be the New York Rangers. And they face, uh, in the play-in round, the Carolina Hurricanes. And they own the Hurricanes' top pick. So if they knock the Canes out and the Canes win the lottery, they get the number one overall pick. They're in the playoffs, and they got a chance to chase a cup. And get the number one overall pick. So, but that is what it is. That's the conditions on a trade from prior and all that stuff. But um, it, you know, it's, I'll, I'll Rangers got this. a twelve and a half percent chance no matter what because if they lose to the Canes, they got their own chance. If they beat the Canes, they still got a chance. So, what's interesting with with that kind of comment is is that I would initially because you know no one likes the Rangers from Philadelphia. I would say that uh, don't worry about it. They're not going to win the cup anyway. But I'll yeah. say this. Anybody can win the cup this year. Anybody, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, you, you, you could you 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 have a team that is is was out of it. You could have a team that was sitting at tenth. Nobody paid attention to that team could win the cup this year. That's that's what's there. So I think whatever you think is predictable, 
will be completely irreverent by the time you're done and, and when we look back at it. Yeah, I love looking at like NHL futures and, and the futures for the cup and, and all that. And I see all the, the odds on the play in round and I see the futures for the cup and the Flyers right now are eight to one. Uh, when the pause happened, they were 16 to one. Uh, the only teams ahead of them are, are Boston and Tampa, are each 13 to two. Colorado at seven to one, Flyers at eight to one. Also Vegas at eight to one, then St. Louis at 12 to one. But you're right. Uh, I, I, I can't put good money on a situation that coming out of that's so unprecedented. I, I just can't see it. So uh, it, it's a really interesting I'm, situation. I'm going to say this, though, Jason. I, and again, I'm looking for, uh, there's positives. If anybody would be seated in a great position, from training camp, the start of it coming up, through the playoffs, from the chemistry they built with a new coach, to buying into the system, to having young guys really coming through this year, to having a young goalie that's been electric, it's the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, Like, they're in a great position based on all the great things they did for, the, for themselves this year as a team. The additions playing a factor. Kevin Hayes, Niskanen, now making his pair a great pair. You know, Provorov again, picking it up. So there's a lot of really, really good things that are yeah. that I've seen this year that I hope because of that chemistry that they're able to put together for a short tournament and then build from there. That's what yeah. the plan is. I'm sure it is in his mind, and, and that's the way I look at it. Yeah, the teams that I that I go uh, that really have a, a run for me and are the ones with coaches that are able to motivate players rather quickly. I think AV is absolutely one of those guys. John Tortorella is one of those guys. Uh, I look at Joel Quenville down in Florida, and maybe Bob needed a break because he's been awful this year, but he can come back uh, with a reset and really kind of propel that Florida Panther team. There, there's a lot of dangerous teams uh, given this unique situation. And then there's other people that will say, well, the Flyers haven't been fast starters, yep. right? So they've had rough starts to start the season. Is this a, technically the start of a new season? I don't look at it like that. I look at it like it's a continuation. So. Yeah. It's interesting. It's so many different different uh, scenarios, and uh, you know, again, the other the other issue too, Jace, will be: do not minimize the importance of the aces in this playoff run either. Oh, big time! They're going to be critical. Yeah, there's going to be. I got news for you. There's going to be growing pulls. There's going to be. There's going to be injuries. There's yep. going to be injuries. And, and there's going to be. And there's going to be tests too. There's going to be players that test positive. Let's just let's be honest about it. That's going to happen to somebody. Uh, how the team is able to mitigate uh, what player they lose if they lose a player or, you know, how that kind of plays out will be interesting. If it happens to a goaltender who's on a heater, who knows, right? I mean, it could be a blessing as well. It could be your goaltender, but then the other guy gets in there and then you ride him because the, the backup goalie yeah, you know here and everybody plays tighter. The way this is going to go this year, it's going to be fast and furious and there'll be no time to think about it. If you're, if you're down and out, get out of the way. Next guy up, let's go. That's, that's going to be the way it's going to go. Um, I, I said off the top of the show um, before you came on that uh, I'm not that worried about the hub city location taking a little bit longer because fans can't go anyway. But as a player, would you kind of be going like, hey, man, where are we going here? Um, I would. I've actually heard some pretty solid rumors. I know I have some old buddies out there that are coaches in the league and are around the NHL. But I, I've heard actually that Toronto, Chicago will be the two cities. That's what I've heard. Well, wow, I heard no that Vegas. like a month ago. Yeah, interesting. But Vegas, for, but but possibly Vegas for the finals. Yeah, that that would make a lot of sense unless Vegas is in it. But but yeah, yeah, that that'd be interesting. Chicago and uh, and to, they want to do something north of the border, obviously to 
not only, you know, there's so much of the, of the NHL fan base and the sport is north of the border, but then also a city like Toronto. Um, and not to but mention – that doesn't really help to mitigate – but that doesn't help to mitigate the spread of the virus in any way because those are big cities. But, yep. again, maybe it's not – that's not that's not on the plate. And uh, you're right, though, Jace. I, I mean, young people are going to get this. Yep. You know, five Phillies got it last week, a uh, bunch of Tampa Bay Lightning players. So, you know, I mean, listen, people are human. Uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with this, I think, the best we can. I think people have done a great job, society as a whole. Uh, but, again, I, I don't know what they're, what they're going to do uh, in terms of this. I think they're going to need a lot of bodies, though. I really do. I, those extra bodies will be, I think, will be brought right into the fold immediately. They're going to have to be. They, you remember the Aces before, they kind of be on, like, the separate bus. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's how it always works for generations in hockey. And yeah, very good, great guys. They're just the – you know, but this year, I think you're going to have to implement those guys a lot more because they can become a real focal point. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, last question for you, Bundy. Um, Wyatt Kalinick, uh decided uh, not to sign an ELC with the Flyers. Um, you're not a prospect guy. I'm not either. Um, but yeah, uh, in looking at the situation for a defender like him, looking at all the young D that are already on the team, a lot of the young D that are coming with, you know, uh, when you look at Cam York and, and, and other guys and – Phil Myers and the growth of his game in Sanheim and uh, all the depth they had players look at that and go, man, what's my path to the NHL? This is a tough one. Uh, I may have a better opportunity to pick a team uh, than, than to sign the ELC with the team that drafted me. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's the player's choice, right? Like he had the ability to do that. So he executed uh, what his rights were. I, I'm, you know, again, Jace, you're like me. We we stick really to the top guys up here, and when we focus on the games and, and the times around the Flyers. But you know what? If I were a young defenseman, uh, and unless I was an absolute surefire player, it would make me. Uh, it would not make me feel very comfortable being a, a young guy now, uh, coming up and then seeing how many young defensemen there are here in Philadelphia. But again, if you believe in yourself and you're able to play, they'll find they'll find a space for you. Any yeah. team will. If you're able to play in their team, they'll find they'll find a home for you. Yeah. So and look, he's well within his uh, rights to, to choose too. So that that that's his right. Yeah. That's 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 absolutely. It's what he's allowed to do, and he earned that uh, that right through the CBA. And good luck to him. Yeah, I see a lot of like some I fans. Like, I don't like messing like that though. I don't like that though, Jace. Like, I, no, I'm me a neither. Guy, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. you were drafted so. there. You know, honor the fact that you were drafted there, but. um and and I know a lot of people are are kind of giving them the you know giving them the gears on social media, and it's like, well, look, guys, take that as a badge of honor. You got a lot of D here. The reason why he's not doing it is because you got a lot of prospects and good players there already. So enjoy the fruits of that right. in in that regard. Uh, Bundy, as always, this was a lot of fun. Uh, you got everything off your chest. Oh, I feel yeah. like you're really kind of uh, you're walking a little better now. I did. You know, I mean, that Hall of Fame thing really ticked me off, man. I mean, there's some just. I've seen guys go, and again, nothing against them. I just really feel that some of the guys, that are, there are other players in the league who I think someone's got to put the book down and say, hey, we need to have a real hard discussion about this and find out what, why exactly we're holding this guy out or what are the reasons for it. I don't know. It, it's, it's a great discussion. I'm glad we had it, Jace. 
good to talk to anybody, and I know we'll catch up soon. All right, special thanks to Chris Terrian for joining us here on this episode of Flyers Daily. Right now, though, we're going to give you back-to-back-to-back player sound after their skates last week at the Flyers Skate Zone. Up first will be Phil Myers, then Nate Thompson, and Robert Haig, who returned from Sweden. All their uh, reactions after their first day back on the ice and interviews conducted by Flyers PR man Zach Hill. So we'll start off with Phil Myers right here. Speaking with defenseman Phil Myers, first of all, Phil, uh, when did you arrive and start skating here in Voorhees? I got here Friday night, and I've been skate- I skated Monday and, uh, Monday and Wednesday this week. How good does it feel to be on the ice with some familiar faces here in Voorhees? Yeah, it's good to be back. I mean, to see some of the boys and just, you know, sort of get back to, you know, their routine and, um, you know, be able to, to work out at, at the skate zone and stuff. You know, it's a privilege and it's, uh, you know, I'm happy to be back. You broke your kneecap right before the pause. How is your ne- uh, kneecap feeling? Good. You know, I've been I've been rehabbing it, uh, you know, while I was home and, you know, I've been working hard, working out and, uh, you know, I just got to get back to skating now. I hadn't skated much home. So, uh, you know, it's good to be back in the routine, like I said. And, you know, um, you know, I never needed surgery or anything. So it was, uh, uh, you know, smooth recovery. And, you know, it's coming along good. Besides the injury, um, how do you think last season went for you? Um, I thought it went well, uh, you know, for the most part. You know, obviously I had ups and downs at the start. But, you know, I thought after Christmas I was playing some consistent hockey and I earned some some of the coaches' trust. And, you know, overall I think, uh, um, you know, I'm pretty happy with the way the first season went. And, you know, but there's still lots, lots of work left to do. And, um, you know, I'm just going to be keep working hard and stay humble and, you know, just go from there. And last question, what is the biggest difference or the biggest adjustment you have to make going from the Phantoms to the Flyers last year? Mm, I think it's just keeping it simple. And, you know, obviously the speed's a little bit of a factor as well. But it's, uh, you know, I think for me it was just trying to do less and, um, you know, just do my job instead of trying to do too much. And, um, you know, I think that's why I was I had uh, – you know, a pretty good season, and um, you know, when I was keeping it simple, that was that's when I was playing my best hockey. So, um, you know, I'm just going to keep doing that, and you know, hopefully things will go go well for me. Uh, speaking with Nate Thompson, Nate, when did you arrive back in Philly, and when was your first day on the ice? Uh, I got back Monday, and uh, yesterday was my uh, first day skating. And you came, you arrived from where? I came from L.A. Uh, I live in uh, Hermosa Beach. Okay. Uh, Have you been able to skate during the NHL pause? I have, yeah. Um, You know, there was... uh, I had to wait, obviously, for things to open up a little bit, but, um, you know, there were some other guys in uh, the Hermosa Beach area in the L.A. area that I was skating with that, uh, that live out there. So I was able to get out there, you know, a few days a week. All right. How was it today on the ice for you? It was great, you know. It's just it's uh, it's good to be back with uh, with the rest of the guys, and um, you know, I think just being back kind of gets me the mindset that we're going to be playing. And uh, but anyway, yeah, it was just good. It's just good to get on the ice and uh, you know feel the puck and and you know just feel like a hockey player again. You'd sprain your knee before the pause. How does it feel now? 
It feels great. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, in a way, I guess uh, you could say it was, uh, you know, b- b- when the break started, it was good for me in a way to uh, to rest my knee. I had some time to relax and, and uh, you know, heal up uh, at the same time, spend some quality time with the wife and the family. And uh, But all in all, the knee feels good. I got some good rest, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good on the ice. That's good. Hey, the team was playing with a lot of momentum before the pause. Do you think that will be easy to get back? I don't know if it's going to be easy to get back, but um, I think we're definitely going to have the confidence that uh, we know what we're capable of. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just making sure guys are ready to go. Uh, this, you know, the start of training camp when uh, when games resume, uh, guys uh, know that you know we, everyone's kind of at square one again. So, but I think uh, having the confidence and knowing that we were able to win those many games in a row and and playing our best hockey, uh, I think will help us move forward. Awesome. Last question. Um, how excited are you about the upcoming round-robin tournament and the playoffs, and how do you think uh, the Flyers are going to do? Well, I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, I, I think it's great that we're going to be able to play some games and, and you know, finish the season, and it's obviously it's an unprecedented time and uncharted territory with the way the, the playoff format is, but I think it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be watch, um, and I think I don't know I don't know what to expect. I mean, I, I expect us to do well. I, I think we have the team to do something special. So it's just a matter of us going out there playing confident and uh, playing our game, and you know the rest will fall into place. Uh, uh, Robert, when did you arrive from uh, from Sweden? Uh, I arrived a couple couple weeks ago. And. Uh, where are you? Where are you uh, staying and living right now? Uh, right now, I am in my apartment in in Philly. Okay. Uh, yeah. How was your quarantine? Oh, it sucks, but it's something you have to do. Uh, but I followed all the rules, all the guidelines, and I've done all the testing, and everything comes back negative. So now I'm happy to be to be back on the ice with the boys. Uh, was yesterday the first day you skated with the boys? All right. What was it like being on the ice with the guys after three months off? Uh, it was nice to be back and see everyone and, uh, yeah, get things going. So it was nice to see everyone after, after what is it, four months. Yeah. So hopefully we can a few more guys coming in and we can start to practice a little bit more normal and, uh, yeah, get back at it. Were you, uh, were you able to skate at all during the pause? back home in Sweden and even work out so I had it I had it pretty good actually but um, as, as I said I followed all the guidelines and everything we had back home and even when I got over here so that's all we can do perfect hey before the, the before the pause the team was on a on a real roll do you think that will be easy or hard to recapture uh, I mean it's gonna be a, it's gonna be hard of course but I think it's the same for everyone for every team so we had something going, and hopefully it doesn't take too long before we can like get back where we're, where we finished off. But I think only if the guys are coming in or start working out to play one game or two games, and then I'm pretty sure we'll find a find a way. All right, what do you think about the round robin tournament in the playoff format? Uh, well, I don't know what to say. Oh, that's all right. They came up with that's the way they came up with. So, I mean. 
I have nothing nothing to say about it. All right. And last question. What do you think about living in a controlled atmosphere, like a bubble here, once the uh, playoffs start? Will you be, I mean, obviously we've been living, you know, pretty quietly amongst ourselves already and being quarantined, but what do you think about going with the team and staying at a hotel and, and, and pretty much living in a bubble? Uh, I mean, hopefully I can bring something good out of it. I mean, bring the team closer to each other, but... Uh, at the same time, if you want to keep everyone healthy and safe, that's the way we're going to have to do it. Thanks to Zach Hill, uh, Flyers PR director, for uh, providing us with that sound. Robert Haig, uh, Nate Thompson, and also Phil Myers and their reactions after getting back on the ice at the Flyers Skate Zone in preparation for Phase 3, which is coming up uh, just about 10 days from now, and the Flyers will get uh, underway uh, for mandatory training camp. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily, brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Uh, leave us a rating and review, and uh, the next episode will be there ready for you as they come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In the meantime, everybody stay healthy, and thanks for listening. Vacate is the word. Vengeance has no place. So near her, cannot find the comfort in this world. Artificial tear. Vessel stab next up. Fire.